Welcome to episode 24 of What Do You Want to Watch, the show hosted by myself, Nathan English, and David Dirks. You always, you, the pause seems to get longer every time. I know. That, I think this you, week, are you forgetting your week, name? Well, this week I was trying to stay on top of it, but you know, I, I don't know. You know that when you get married this week, that your name is not changing, right? That her name is the it's one that's true. changing. You yeah, I hope my name's not changing. Okay. Yeah, next time you're on the podcast, he's going to say David Yulman. So oh, that'd be weird. That. What the it's heck? Great. All right. Anyway, this week we are going to be talking about the new action-adventure spy thriller that just dropped on Netflix on Friday. That is The Gray Man, starring Ryan Gosling, Chris Evans, Ana de Armas, directed by the Russo brothers. And we're going to be breaking that down, talking about what we liked, what we didn't like. And then after that, we're going to do something Pretty similar, almost the exact same to what we did with horror movies last week. We're going to go through the years 2017 to 2021 and try to name the best horror movie of each of the last five years. And I said horror and I meant action, but I said horror too many times and my brain farted. Hey, so, hey here's the thing, though. Depending on the how bad the action movie is, it could be a horror just because it's terrible yeah, to watch. <laughs> there's there's some there's some action movies that are horrifying <laughs> to see. It also depends on the level of violence. Some of them John Wick movies. It's a little horrifying. So, all right, that's that's all coming up on this episode of What Do You Want to Watch? So stick around. All right, David. He doesn't even have a name in this movie. He operates in the world that's in between black and white. It's the gray man, Ryan Gosling. It's a spy thriller coming to you with all the classic spy thriller things from the past 15 to 20 years. Quite mm-hmm. honestly, the the plot of this movie is really just a born ripoff uh, because it is guy enlisted in secret program within the CIA who is being targeted by evil CIA guy for termination because he has information on said program and that it is bad. So almost just straight up, just a born plot. Um, How did you feel about this movie? I loved it. I don't even care what people are saying. It was entertaining. I I, I love Ryan Gosling and Chris Evans and Ana de Armas. Uh, I don't know. Good acting. It was visually appealing and i was entertained so i got i don't have much to say i enjoyed it i would say um for me i i liked it uh i think actually the more that i thought about it the less i've kind of liked the movie quite Mm. honestly which isn't isn't always a great thing um it's getting trashed on the internet pretty hard right now um and i think that's one because of the names attached to it you know you look at Chris Evans and Ryan Gosling and Andy Armas, those are, you know, three of the probably 20 biggest names in Hollywood right now. So when all those people are attached to a movie, there's high expectations. And then the Russo brothers kind of have this narrative almost of being great in the MCU and outside of the MCU, they're attached to projects that aren't that great. Um, Not a lot of people like Cherry, the movie that they directed starring Tom Holland uh, that came out a couple of years ago. And this, I guess they're just saying that the Russo brothers are not great outside the MCU. What, what is your opinion on that? Obviously you like the gray man. So I'm assuming you disagree with those people. Yeah. I mean, and like, this is the first movie I've seen of theirs outside of MCU. So I'm not going to say that that statement's incorrect, but 
I mean, I understand this is a copy and paste of Jason Bourne with different actors and directors, but like it can still be like an entertaining and a decent movie. You know what I mean? And like, I read one review like, yeah, if you just turn off, like not, but if you don't like critically think about this movie and you just want something to enjoy, uh, that's not going to just drain you or kind of mentally exhaust you. Like the gray man's a good movie for this. Cause like it is well done despite it being a copy and paste. There is good acting despite it being a copy and paste. Uh, it's funny. They have just, I don't think it was, oh, I don't think the jokes were overused. I think it was funny when it needed to be. Uh, so like, despite all of this, like, I mean, it can still be a decent movie. You know what I mean? And even though, yeah, okay, maybe it is copy and paste, but like if mm-hmm. I, if I want a movie that's not going to like disappoint me and I don't know what to watch on a Tuesday night, I might pull up the gray man. Cause I know it's going to be entertaining. And Chris Evans is, you know, blow me away with that little mustache he's got, but yeah. Here, here's what I think and why people are so sour on this movie. Um, I think it's the budget quite honestly, and the, and the people in it. So for those of you that don't know, let me explain. The Gray Man's budget is $200 million. $200 million is not necessarily on the super high end anymore for movies. Most crazy movies are costing more than that. There's a lot of movies that have ballooned to figures beyond that in recent years. However, $200 million is still a lot for a movie that most people are going to see on streaming. Uh, and that a lot of people are expecting a $200 million movie to look a certain way. And for many people, this looked more like a $50 million movie. And I don't think I would disagree with that. And I understand the frustrations and I think it comes from being spoiled and especially being spoiled in recent years by Mission Impossible. And Mm. and that's where I kind of want to take this conversation. So the Russo brothers obviously are not afraid to use CGI in their films. Uh, They have to, in in many of them, the MCU films require it, uh, especially, you know, they made Infinity War and Endgame. Good luck making those movies without copious amounts of CGI. (laughs) Endgame, a lot of the plot revolves around a talking raccoon and a (laughs) giant green smart guy. So they have to use CGI. But when you have movies that look like the Mission Impossible movies of late, and that's kind of the, I guess, upper echelon, the top place for spy movies, a $200 million movie that is a spy movie comes out and you're expecting it to look like that. You're expecting mm. visually to be wowed the way that you're wowed when you watch Mission Impossible Fallout. The way mm. that you're wowed, quite honestly, to take another top Tom Cruise movie, when you watch Top Gun Maverick, you're expecting the visuals to be top tier. Mm. And I don't think we got that in this film. And specifically, I felt like I was watching an episode of season eight of Game of Thrones at certain parts because the lighting was just bad. There are many fight scenes in this that you can't tell what's going on. I think of the infight at the mansion, which this is, I guess, minor spoilers, but there's an infight at a mansion. I don't really know that that's spoiling anything <laughs> for you. But there was a hand-to-hand fight in a room where you could not see the faces of the people fighting because the room was dark. Like, mm-hmm. I get that's easier for stunt work and stuff because you don't have to do the CGI masking of faces, but this is a $200 million movie. How can I not see the fights? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that, well, that that's where that's where my problem comes from. To uh, put it into perspective, Mission Impossible's Mission Impossible Fallout's estimated budget was 178 million. Uh, yeah. And that it, it actually worldwide grossed just under 800 million dollars. So. Yeah. Mission Impossible Fallout is one of the most, I think, visually stunning action movies that we've had in the past 25 years. 
And so when you have a movie like The Gray Man that comes along and has a bigger budget than that, people's expectations are ratcheted up high. Yeah. And I think that that's where a lot of this disappointment is yeah. coming from. Um, I think I would agree with you. And I think those people aren't wrong for that. Do you think, though, like, do you still think people are, like, over-exaggerated and over-hating it? Yeah, because I know there are expectations. We've seen these movies. They're like, wow, we've, they've done so much more with less. Like, do you think people are still kind of, like, going a little too hard on the on this movie? What are your thoughts on that? I think it's the names attached. And, yeah, that's why you get that that uh, mm-hmm. reaction. First of all, there, there's the biggest stars on the planet are in this movie. Um, yeah. And so you have an expectation that this is going to be good. Now, if you replace these actors with lesser known actors, then yeah, I'm, I'm certain that people will probably lower their expectations and then their opinion would be, would be higher. And mm-hmm. it's then there is a narrative around the Russo brothers. Yes. They've only directed one other project outside of this, but it's the idea. Can they exist outside of the MCU um, they, they've been producing a lot of stuff and funding a lot of things outside of the MCU using the money they made in the MCU, which is great for them. I, I'm happy for them that they are able to do that. But if you're not giving us something new, you at least need to remake what we've already seen better, especially mm-hmm. if you're going to attach big names like this. So I think that's where it comes from. Yeah, I think some people are being a little unfair. I've seen some reviews of people saying this is the worst action movie that they have seen in a long time no it's just yeah, it's not if unless you're not watching very many action movies which may be mm-hmm. the case but i can guarantee you it's not um why do you think this went i know some theaters did show this why unless like the russo brothers had this plan why does it go right to streaming because everybody clearly loses money with this you know so this is part of and i think this was funded during netflix's just phase of just giving directors a bunch of money for things um and they got the best offer from netflix and that's probably why they had also worked with them previously the russo brothers were heavily involved in the movie extraction the chris hemsworth vehicle as well um so clearly also they like to work with their mcu stars outside of the mcu which i think is kind of cool um yeah. but i i'm sure they probably had a relationship there but you know netflix for a while had this kind of system of doling out huge amounts of money to try to attract people to the service. Um, And they pretty much said they're going to stop doing that. Now, I don't know if this falls under the director's vanity projects that Netflix has announced they are going to stop funding after, you know, kind of bombs of movies that have come out and also the ballooning of a a movie I'm excited for, White Noise, uh, the Noah Baumbach Mm -hmm. film, which I think its budget is said to have topped almost $200 million at this point. Uh, wow. And I read the book for that. And there's no way that movie should cost $200 million to make. It should be max a $40 million movie. Um, mm-hmm. There's not complicated CGI. It's not Star Wars. Like, I don't know what's going on there. So I think that this is one of those that they funded that before. And, you know, the Russo brothers probably got the most money and most freedom under Netflix than they would have under other studios. And that's why they went that direction. Mm. That makes sense. I just know, like, with uh, uh, Christopher Nolan, that's why he left, left like, Warner Bros. Because, like, they were going to – something with uh, Tenet, like, they were going to go right to streaming. And, obviously, he's like, no, that's going to lose me hundreds of millions of dollars, you know. Um, so I just didn't know if there's a similar situation. Uh, but, okay. And it's possible. Um, 
I know this is showing in theaters somewhere, but maybe they didn't make this movie with the idea of it needs to be in theaters. Some some filmmakers mm -hmm. make it through that lens. I think all movies are probably better in theaters, but it'd be great if you could see every movie in theaters, but people have a limited amount of money and a limited amount of time that they want to spend outside of their home. So you you have that always factoring in, but Christopher Nolan specifically makes movies only designed to be on the big screen. Mm -hmm. um, and I would argue that a lot of his movies, while they don't fail if you watch them for the first time on a TV, they are not in any way the way he intended you to watch that. And he has been mm -hmm. very open and honest about that as well. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if the Russo brothers really fit into that same thing, but it's clear that some movies are better on the big screen. You know, that's why Tom Cruise held Top Gun Maverick for for so long, even though they had completed filming and editing pretty much in 2018, 2019, they had a finished movie, but he was not going to release it in 2020 at Paramount Plus. He mm -hmm. used his leverage and waited and waited and waited. Um, oh, can you imagine after. if that would have dropped in 2020 on Paramount Plus? We, we would have all been like, we would have all been like, this was good, but so disappointed. I think that would have just yeah. killed me. So I'm glad they held that one. Yeah. Um, I'm curious. I don't know if I have an opinion on this. Who do you think had the better performance, like Ryan Gosling or Chris Evans? See, I don't think Gosling had a lot to do, quite honestly. His character was, was pretty, I don't know, like his whole thing was I don't talk, I don't have emotions. And yes, he showed them sometimes. Mm -hmm. I think Evans was having fun. That's what I could tell. Um, he's probably my favorite part of this film was just how fun he was having being the villain. And it's it's kind of shocking and a stark contrast to what we've seen him in recently, which I think is always cool whenever you know, you have the image of Captain America, the guy who's always good no matter what in your head. And then you see Chris Evans on the screen talking about how he would kill a kid in this movie and he doesn't care. Like, mm -hmm. that's just, that's that's kind of fun. He's pretty good as a bad guy. I don't but kind of like his like witty, like really evil like side that he showed here. I was like, Dang, he's pretty good. Mm -hmm. He's pretty good yeah. with this. And also, both him and Ryan Gosling just bulked the heck up for this movie, uh, and were very, very in shape. But I think I would agree. I realized after I asked that, like, yeah, Ryan Gosling, which I feel like Ryan Gosling's kind of oh, the same, not the same, but he's very similar in every movie. He's very like like reserved and like uh, you see just facial expressions from him, not necessarily like an outward uh, acting, uh, you know, from him. But I think I would agree. Chris Evans was. I liked his, he, he was very good with his, his jokes as well. Like I thought they were mm -hmm. delivered well. And um, mm -hmm. his mustache gosh. was doing work. His yeah. mustache was putting in work in this film. Yeah. I was like, Sophie, I don't know if I, I, I want you to watch this. Cause if you see that, you know, I... <laughs> very attractive, very attractive man, that Chris Evans. Um, so, what, yeah. It's, it, I saw a photo of the top three stars of this movie on the red carpet and somebody just tweeted it with the caption, what kind of world are we living in now where Ryan Gosling is the third most attractive person in this photo? Like if you said Damn. that 10 years ago, people would have been like, no way Ryan Gosling is the third most attractive. In a I don't know though. Oh. Is he not, is he not more attractive than Ana de Armas? I, I'm going to I'm not gonna weigh in here. I, yeah, <laughs> I don't know how to answer that. I, I'm not going to weigh in here. Um, so I'm just going to let that one sit. Uh, David, I know you enjoyed the movie more than I did, but what's something that you didn't like from the film? Um, I think something 
like I noticed pretty quickly just because of history with the Russo brothers. I feel like this another expectation actually that maybe people had. Um, I feel like some of the like action scenes was kind of Russo brother esque where it was like cut, 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 you know? And I think yeah. like, which, which is kind of impressive about like some of the Jason Bourne movies is like, Oh, we just have this like nine, 10 second action scene, like where they're doing these moves without a cut, you know? Um, so at times I like, I almost didn't recognize it cause I'm so used to seeing it with the Russo brothers, but I was like, all right, why are we cutting so much? You know? Um, yeah. It's like, you have the money, you could fund a little money to, to train a little better to, you know, shoot a longer scene of, of this choreography in this, in this fight. But that was probably my own, not my only, but the biggest complaint I had of, of like, I like these one shots. I really like when I see that, you know, so. Yeah. I, I started to notice that immediately the first like kind of fight that we had, there was a lot of, just a lot of like shaky cam cut, shaky cam cut, 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 um, which is, it's frustrating to see. I think the thing for me that vexed me the most about this movie was why is it not R? Um, and I know that again, we say that and it limits your audience, but you're already putting it on Netflix. You're kind of limiting your audience anyway. But like this movie is supposed to show us that like Chris Evans is this like brutal, murdering, torturing, evil bastard essentially that's like his mm -hmm. character we're introduced to his character while he's mid torture session of a guy this movie needed to be r it was trying to show us brutal violence but in a pg-13 way and i felt like that made the movie feel cheap to me at, mm -hmm. at certain moments because it felt like the russo brothers had this plan or had this idea for how a scene wanted to play out but then you know the reason we get some bad fight scenes in PG-13 movies is because they can't show a lot of the violence. If they show too much, it'll go R. And I felt like that may have been part of the, the barrier and, and what caused them to kind of push their creativity into a, this sort of mold. And that's what I was disappointed mm -hmm. by. Um, I'm not one that normally argues for more brutal movies, but I think that this would have been served by being an R rating. Yeah. Uh, do you, have they directed a rated R movie or have they all been 13? I believe Cherry was actually R. Uh, okay. I put that up, but I'm pretty I'm pretty sure that Cherry was R, um, because that would that is also a movie. Yes, it was. That is a movie about PTSD too. So I think that it was R for not not just violence reasons, but for other reasons as well. Um, but yeah, I I just this action movie. I felt like they could have done more with that, and that would have given them more freedom. Um, mm. So yeah. I, I, yeah, that's I think true. the more I yeah. talk about this, the less I like it. And I don't love to do that. But I'm also thinking about the ridiculous kind of idea of the teams of people attacking them when they're in Prague. That was just a little insane, like activating individual teams and not sending them all after them at once and then just shooting a bunch of cops. Again, this movie was trying to be brutal, but not be brutal. Like yeah, I yeah. don't know. I how I, I I took the kind of multiple teams is like obviously they have like multiple teams stationed different places, so it's almost like they called one team maybe not thinking they needed everybody, but then they quickly realized to call everybody in almost. But they all kind of got there at the same time pretty quickly, so it makes you wonder like where they all stationed like in yeah, the same city. They're, they they're all got to be in Prague the way they all showed up. So why are you not just getting everybody in at once. I don't know. It, either way, 
I think I think this movie was great um, in the moments when it was just relying on Chris Evans. I think it was weak in the moments where it was relying on this broader conspiracy. They also never really, they just don't, they don't dive into a lot of the, the reason that the guy at the CIA, which I can't even remember his character's name, which shows you how bad they did. Carmichael, sorry. Reason why Carmichael's evil, they just do a quick cut news footage. They're like, this guy has funded bombings and raids and stuff in countries unsanctioned with no remorse for anything. And like, I wanted them to do more. This is a two plus hour movie. And I felt like the overarching villain that they were setting up got three minutes of screen time. Mm. So that's something yeah. else. I guess I'm just going to keep complaining about this if we keep talking. So maybe we should switch gears. <laughs> yeah, you just keep thinking of things. That's, I mean, you're making yeah. good points. Um, yeah, I think really probably in conclusion, I mean, I can even speak for Nathan. Like, obviously this is has its similarities and obviously has its plot holes. But, like, if you're wanting an entertaining action movie that won't, like, that exhaust you mentally, you know, or require insane amount of attention, like, this could be a good movie to watch, right? Is that kind of how mm-hmm. you would, would say that? Mm-hmm. Okay. And in terms of, like, the Netflix originals that are getting put out, this is definitely on the higher end anyway. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, They've not done so too good of a job at that. Yeah. Yeah. So you have that going for you. All right. So we're going to transition. We're going to take a quick little break and then we're going to come back and rank the best action film of each of the last five years. So stick around. All right. So once again, we're ranking the best action film of each of the last five years. It's going to be the same format we did last episode, but just in case you didn't listen, we're going to have like four to five nominations, except some years it's actually a little thin considering how many good action movies we've had released. (laughs) And we're going to kind of talk our way through them um, and try to pick and decide together. David and I are going to have to work together to pick which one is the best of each year. Uh, Just to kind of give our conversation a little bit of a twist and also talk about new stuff. We didn't include any superhero or Star Wars movies in any of these lists. So yes, every single one of these years that we're talking about, there will be an MCU film that is probably better than maybe the last film that we list, if not many others. But I didn't want to, for 2018, just pick Infinity War and say that that was the best action movie. Because that's kind of boring and not a whole lot of fun. So we're going to go through, let's start with 2017. David, I'm going to read off some of the action movies that came out in 2017. Um, and it was, it, it was a decent year for the, for the action genre. So we have Baby Driver, the, the Edgar Wright film, his first film shot and, and made in America. Uh, Dunkirk, John Wick 2, Jumanji, Kingsman, Kong Skull Island, Logan Lucky, Atomic Blonde. There was a Fast and the Furious movie that was Fate of the Furious, which was not good, but it made a quadrillion dollars. There's some action comedies. This was a year where a lot of them were released. Baywatch, Hitman's Bodyguard. And then we had the less successful and pretty terrible CGI-filled action movies like Bright, King Arthur, and the somehow just entirely terrible The Mummy with Tom Cruise, one of the all-time whiffs 
Um, for those of you that don't know, Universal Pictures was trying to launch an entire movie universe similar to the MCU off of the back of their old monster movie projects. And they were using Tom Cruise and the Mummy as the first one to kind of kick this off. And nobody watched this except David, apparently. <laughs> and uh, I watched the entire- Hey, you watched it too. I canceled the entire dark universe. Yeah, I watched it too. I remember the best part about this movie being the trailer where he sits up in the body bag. That part was, that was a pretty cool trailer. Um, and I remember thinking that the movie was so boring and terrible. So I gave this a three out of five and I'm, I'm think, rethinking that decision. You, I don't you, remember though. I would, you should go back and rewatch it um, yeah. and we'll see. So we have five nominees on the list for 2017, although David has not seen two of them. So those are going to be stricken. It's the same rule as last week where we can only decide a movie is the best of that gear if we have both seen it. So I'm going to talk about those two real quick. The first one that I want to hit on is Atomic Blonde. Um, Atomic Blonde is a movie starring Charlize Theron that is set in the Cold War in uh, East Germany. Uh, it is directed by David Leach. It is a movie that I enjoy very deeply because it's got a great vibe to it. Um, the visuals in this movie are stunning. It's got this just noir feeling of being in, you know, East Germany. It's always rainy. It's always dark. There's cool neon signs. There's techno music blaring. Uh, and Charlie's there. And it's, it's really just her movie. But there is one thing that I want to encourage people that even haven't seen this movie to go look up, and it is the staircase fight from this, which is like a one-cut, brutal hand-to-hand -hand fight with Charlize running through like five or six people. Uh, it's just really awesome. So I would encourage you to watch this movie. David, I would put this bad boy up at the top of your watch list, and I would try to see it soon. Uh, and then we have Baby Driver, uh, the Edgar Wright film um, that is – is good at the beginning and I think falters a little bit, but has some of the best driving in a movie ever. I think everybody's probably seen the opening scene from Baby Driver, uh, the opening heist whenever uh, Ansel Elgort's character um, kind of just flips a car around in reverse and does some really cool tricks between semis and stuff. It's really good driving. The problem is Ansel Elgort's not a very good actor and when the entire movie hinges on him, it, it tends to falter a little bit, but it's it's still Edgar Wright, so it's decent. But David, let's get into the movies that we have both seen. I want to start first with John Wick 2. David, tell me why you like John Wick 2. Uh, just, it's so cool, bro. He's so cool. The action, <laughs> his suit, his slick back hair. His lack of dialogue, which pay, I think plays in his favor in uh, this series. It's just, it's, he's just a cool guy. Like, I want to be John Wick. Um, well, maybe not, though, because he's always getting, you know, people are always trying to kill him. But his, he's uh, just his, uh, he's his, a cool guy. His, his wife's dead. Probably not a good thing to say. Not a, And not his dog. Five days before your wedding. That was, That's true. That was a true. bad move. When but, this uh, releases the day before your wedding. Sheesh. Yeah. Wow. Um, so yeah, no, it's just, and that's like maybe in contrast to, to Grayman, the Grayman at some point is there's just really just high quality hand to hand combat that we see. And, and the action scenes are quality and entertaining to see. Some things are very hard to watch. Is this the one, but with the pencil, is this the movie where he puts um, the pencil yes, in the eye? Yes. This Ooh, is the one where, 
So they hint at it in the first movie that John Wick can kill people with a pencil. And then in this movie, we actually see him kill people with a pencil. Yeah, that that scene's hard to watch. But it's like, wow. Yeah, so I think, which is why they're probably releasing another one where they shouldn't really. It's just going to be really good action. And uh, they're going to do it well. And even though Keanu Reeves can probably hardly move, well, I'm curious what this next one will be like. But uh, no, John Wick 2 is really good. Um, I think... Which is this isn't always the case, as we've talked about. I think the second movie sometimes can like be a letdown or a disappointment, or uh, oh, that was just a cash grab, or or it was a filler for the third movie. I, the second one really picked up well after the first, and um, absolutely very very well done movie. So yeah, I liked it a lot. Yeah, uh, I would agree with all the things that you said, and I think that one of the things that we have to highlight. Um, on why this movie is so good in action is it's directed by a former stuntman. Uh, Chad mm-hmm. Stahelski uh, was a stuntman for a long time and has gone on to direct these John Wick movies. And you can tell he just understands cool ways to set up action scenes and he understands how to film them. And this movie is another movie that is lent with awesome authenticity. You know, Keanu Reeves, um, is going through this training. We've seen countless videos of him at a shooting range, him working on his hand-to-hand combat, him working around with knives and knife throwing. You know, we a lot of this stuff, Keanu Reeves is trying to make it look authentic. Yes, there's some wonky things in this, like the fact that some of his, the clips that he reloads have 4,000 bullets in them and he never <laughs> seems to reload on screen sometimes. But the like gun-fu style that they use in these movies where he's like using the gun as a weapon and also obviously as a weapon, he's using the gun to hit people and then shooting them with the gun as well. It's just a really cool concept and like an innovative approach to action that's super refreshing. I think these are pretty universally beloved and and this one is really good. I want to, John Wick 3 obviously will be on our list later of the year that it comes out. And then I want to have the discussion of how we're going to rank those. Because I, I would be interested, David, to see what your opinion is on that. Uh, but let's move For on. Sure. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to clear out right here. Because the next one we got to talk about is from David's favorite filmmaker of all time. So David Dirks, talk to us. Dunkirk, 2017 Christopher Nolan movie. Um, oh, what? Let me let me see what movie was this film number five, six? Let's see. No, one, sorry, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, You're eight, off. nine. This is this is actually film nine or ten. Uh so this he's well into his career here. And honestly, if you look at his previous movies, it was really kind of different, I feel like, than what he's done before. I feel like mm-hmm. obviously with the Batman trilogy. Very uh, action-packed. Obviously, it's a it's a superhero film. The three are superhero films. Um, and Inception, I mean, in a different way, are visual, visually stunning, have action, have really high intensity. But Dunkirk was released, and it was kind of different. Like, it was still visually stunning in its own way, but I think it was different than how he'd ever done uh, a movie before. And pretty telling on just how just exceptional of a director he is like mm-hmm. th- th- you don't have him releasing the same film after the same film with different actors and slightly different plot. Like here, he just kind of took a different direction and soon later next year, we're going to find with Oppenheimer. That's even a completely different 
movie because based on my understanding it's just simply a drama there's it's like a drama and a you know biography of of that so yeah i really enjoyed this uh honestly first watch it took me a little bit to kind of enjoy like after watching it took me a while to process that because it was just different than what i'd seen from him but like after the second and third watch and really processing it um again visually visually very uh entertaining and not even in like action but just in lighting and the wide shots and close-ups and and stuff like that so yeah uh nathan if i'm not mistaken this is is this your favorite film that he's done yes um this yeah. is in my opinion christopher nolan's best movie and here is the plea that i've repeated multiple times on this podcast and i'm gonna say it again let directors make their passion project this is a passion project for Christopher Nolan, famous Brit who said that this story meant a lot to him and to the entire country. Growing up, he would hear it all the time. And the story of Dunkirk and kind of Britain's heroic moment in World War II was something that they're very proud of. And he wanted to make this film and he got the chance to make it. And I think this is the movie where Christopher Nolan accomplishes exactly what he wants to and does it the most. Uh, this is I think we could have listed this in horror because this movie is horrifying. It is tense. It is scary. There is a ticking sound that is throughout the movie that Hans Zimmer added to his score to kind of heighten the expectations. It's a little confusing when you watch it the first time um, because of the time jumps. Like some of the movie takes place in an hour. Some of it takes place in a day. Some of it takes place in a week. And it's a little confusing to kind of mesh all those together but every famous British person that's ever lived has been in this movie. And it's just really entertaining. Um, I, 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 it has the classic hallmarks of a Nolan film and that's great sound design, um, you know, real effects um, and not, not fantastic dialogue. But in this movie, it doesn't matter because this movie is not a story that needs dialogue. The best line of dialogue in this movie is I'm on him. And it's delivered from Tom Hardy from an airplane in which he's about to take down a German fighter. Uh, this is just such a such a great setup for this movie. And I think he just most accomplishes what he wants to do. And also just underrated in the Hans Zimmer pantheon of work. But Hans Zimmer's score for this film is immaculate. Um, Superb. It's, it's just so it's so good. Like I said, the ticking noise, you know, Hans Zimmer is a person who's not just going to make cool sounds, but he's going to make sure that his score is completely integrated into the film where there is no way you can watch this film without thinking of Hans Zimmer's score. And that's exactly what happens here in this movie. Uh, I, I just love Dunkirk. I absolutely yeah. love it. And it also has Harry Styles in it. And that's some people's jam. So come on, watch watch the movie for Harry Styles, I guess. But yeah. th this this is just a great, great film yeah. overall. I also love how intertwined Zimmer and Christopher Nolan are. I, I think he's been in every movie, which is just beautiful. Because Except for Tenet. Tenet is the only one he turned Nolan down, and that's because that's he wanted right. to work on Dune. That's right. Oh, that's true. Dang. Dang, dang. So, yeah. So, yeah. Those, again, like the director is working with a person that he loves obviously in Hans Zimmer and he's working on a passion project that he cares about. And you can see that come through in this movie. So yeah, that, that was Dunkirk. All right. Let's turn to a completely different tone uh, of movie in Logan Lucky, a heist film in 2017 starring Daniel Craig and Channing Tatum and Adam driver, um, which is insane, especially when Daniel Craig his character in this movie is a just hillbilly criminal. Um, yeah. And 
essentially these two brothers are trying to rob a racetrack um, and that happens that the weekend they have to rob it is the Coca-Cola 600. So at Charlotte Motor Speedway. So one of the biggest race days of the year and they got to pull off a heist. And it is directed by Steven Soderbergh uh, who directed other heist films such as the Oceans franchise. So uh, going in, you know that this movie is going to be a lot of fun and that's exactly what it is. Yep. Yeah, I, uh, dude, this movie was a ride. I think, I mean, not only this, the heist movie is always entertaining, but I just loved like Adam Driver uh, and Channing Tatum and Daniel Craig's just all their chemistry. Like, I think when you say those three actors, I'm not sure they've ever been in a movie together, but this one, like, it's just such a weird like list of actors to be in a movie together. But I thought they killed it. I thought it was just really entertaining. Um, and uh, I, I didn't see this movie till late. I just recently watched this for the first time, and I, I really liked it. I, Adam Driver's definitely grown on me. Uh, and, oh, my gosh. He's so and, good. Uh, and, yeah, so this is definitely one, like, I'll, I'll probably rewatch this many times. Like, it's not one that's going to get boring for me or uh, fall apart for me as I watch it and over and over again. So, no, I, I really like this. Yeah, there's so much to love here. Uh, Adam Driver's comedic timing and prowess it is very, very impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think this is just the kind of movie that Soderbergh excels at. Um, he makes, he's kind of the director that has taken over in a lot of ways in terms of like popcorn cinema that is also just really well made. Um, mm-hmm. He, he kind of specializes in that to a certain degree. And this is just another one of those movies uh, I think Soderbergh should be required by law to make a heist movie every three to four years because they're always entertaining, no matter yep. how many times you see them. I'm okay uh, with that. And, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's not going to surprise you in terms of plot. You know, it goes the same way of the, the two guys trying to rob the Speedway or trying to get rid of a family curse, and they have to rely on the classic Soderbergh, like wacky criminal to help them out and there's a lot of comedy and you think things are going wrong and the heist doesn't go as planned but then it's revealed that you didn't know the whole thing that was happening at the time they didn't tell you all the heist so they could surprise you afterwards and it's a happy ending and you might be hearing that thinking oh great so i know exactly what's going to happen but you're gonna have a good time and daniel craig has a weird like appalachian accent in this movie so there you go okay watch it nope Low-key, though, Daniel Craig is an underrated actor. I feel like he's not talked about a whole lot because I feel like every movie he's in is just so unique, and he just does the does every, he just does it so well in, in whatever he does. So I think that should be talked about more. I think it's also the dichotomy of taking all of his characters coming from James Bond or, like, the opposite of James Bond, which is so fun, like mm-hmm. this character, and then also Knives Out, like the two biggest yeah. movies that he's released – outside of of the James Bond films in the past five years are movies in which he's playing someone with a ra- absolutely ridiculous accent who's kind of a doofus, which is like the opposite of James Bond. And it, I, mm-hmm. it's really fun to see him in that stuff. But I would agree, Daniel Craig is is really good in pretty much everything he's in. So This is way off right, topic. Well, well, this no, is way off topic. It says he's in Force Awakens. Yeah, he's a stormtrooper. Um, he was a big Star Wars fan and just asked to be in it. Yeah, there's actually a lot of like famous cameos. That's in, hype. Um, Force Awakens, but yeah, he's a, he's a stormtrooper in Force Awakens. That's funny. So, yeah. 
All right. So we got to pick the best movie. Uh, mm-hmm. Atomic Blonde and Baby Driver are out. So we're down to three nominees. John Wick 2, Dunkirk, and Logan Lucky. Here we go, David. I think I think we can both eliminate Logan Lucky. Am I correct? Yeah. I think that leans more heist and, and stuff. And, and I think compared to the other two, especially the, the acts. Not that it's not good. It's just not as much as John Wick 2 and Dunkirk. Right. Okay. So here is the tough thing. Um, and I'm going to do the same thing I did last week and, and tell you that while I think Dunkirk is a superior film and Nolan's best, I think John Wick 2 is a better action movie. I think I'd agree. Okay. This is, we're so good at this. Look at us. Because so like Dunk- Dunkirk is very good, but the action is just, they it's so well done in John Wick and it's so intense and entertaining. Uh, yeah. I think, I think it takes it. It's yeah. When everything else falls yeah. apart around it, John Wick's action and, and, and fight scenes are just so well done. So, mm-hmm. so John Wick, okay. John Wick two is the winner of 2017. All right, now we move on to 2018. Uh, 2018, a year with a lot of superhero content up at the top. Um, so we're going to skip past all of that. Uh, we have Oceans 8, Mission Impossible, Fallout. There was Jurassic World, Fallen Kingdom. Ugh. <laughs> There's the second Fantastic Beast movie. Upgrade, which is a movie I still have not seen yet, but I'm really excited to watch, um, which would definitely be on the list, I think, if we had both seen it. It is a movie where the lead actor, Logan Marshall Green, his character's whole body is essentially a weapon. And uh, it's just really, it's a cool concept. And I've seen some clips from that movie. Bumblebee, uh, The Meg, Tomb Raider, Tag, uh, Predator, Rampage, The Commuter, Spy Who Dumped Me, Equalizer 2, if we're being honest, there's a lot of action movies that people have probably heard of, but not a lot of ones people are going to remember or rewatch. Um, yeah. And and in this one, we really only have two nominations because the third one that I put up there, I just put up Bumblebee because I figured David had seen it, but he had not. Bumblebee is, I would say, the second best Transformers movie, in my opinion, behind the first Transformers. Um, mm. So, you know, there's there's that. Uh, you know, just for the sake of it, we could add Ready Player One. Okay, let's do it. So Ready Player One has been added. Um, the nominees that we have are Mission Impossible, Fallout, Den of Thieves, and Ready Player One. Let's start from the bottom and work our way up. Let's start with Ready Player One. David, why do you feel this should be nominated? Um, I think this is another movie that, like, really no one knew what to expect coming out of this. And I think... Like first seeing it, you were almost like, ah, this, it, I don't know, this may be kind of cheesy, or you know, they have to deliver this very well for it to be uh, well done. And I, Spielberg did deliver deliver it well. I think this is a a unique, I think it was a very unique plot and a very very unique story and the way he shot it. Um, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm not sure this has been done in this style of movie of like this video game, um, and the connecting all these different universes and games and movies and stuff. Um, So yeah, it it was very entertaining, um, very action filled. uh, Right. It's almost like a, 
I don't even know how to compare this. It's almost, it's like it's like an adventure movie, you know, like they got to mm-hmm. find they got to find the key. And there's there, the whole movie. Indiana Jones esque in the way that it sets up its plot and the style. It's obviously like a classic treasure hunt. And I think those yeah. movies inform that. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, a very good movie. I think where maybe probably a majority of people have an issue is just kind of the last probably 20 minutes of the movie. Um you know, and just kind of how in that, but I think the action's well done. I think the scenes are entertaining and it's Steven Spielberg. And I think that alone tells you something. And I think it was a pretty uh, decent movie. So what are your thoughts on this? I don't, I don't like this movie. <laughs> and I think that one, it's the Steven Spielberg of it all. And that I just really expect Steven Spielberg to be better, but I feel like a lot of this movie just hinged on you giving a crap about the pop culture references that they were making throughout it. Like you had to think the shining part was really cool. And you had to think that them driving the DeLorean was cool. And Oh my God, it's the iron giant. And Oh my God, it's Godzilla. And Oh my God, it's the Mechazoid thing from power Rangers and this and that. Uh, I think that there's parts that I enjoy, but overall this movie felt like a slog for me, which I know breaks your heart and also breaks our friend TJ's heart, who I think really, really likes this film. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I would just have to put it there. I, I had it at a three. Uh, I moved it actually to a two and a half, thinking about how much I didn't like it, because we actually kind of talked about this recently. Um, so I, I, I don't know. I just, I think that there's a lot of, there's a lot of bones that could be good, but it feels like a bloated CGI mess at a lot of points for me, so. Mm. That hurts. I, I'm sorry, David. I apologize. I don't think it's like the, an incredible movie, you know, but man, that hurts. Let's move okay. to a movie where we're going to flip opinions, and that is the 2018 heist movie, Den of Thieves, um, a movie that I love just for its absolute ridiculousness of plot and story. Um, essentially, this is just a remake of Heat, uh, <laughs> but worse obviously because heat's one of the 25 best movies ever made fight me um oh wow talking about den of thieves in a police car just drove by with its sirens on come on i love it um so it's pretty much about a showdown between a la county sheriff's department and a group of thieves who are trying to rob the federal reserve uh and it's a it's a kind of almost a slow burn heist movie and that there's really only two heists One happens at the very beginning of the movie, and then the final one is at the end. But the final heist is a good 45 minutes long. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's there's a lot to enjoy here. David, I actually don't really know how you feel about this film. You don't even have a rating for it on Letterboxd. So how how do you feel about Den of Thieves? No, I I remember really enjoying it. I think... I think I uh, watched this before I had Letterboxd, and then when I went through and saw this, I knew I'd watch it, but I, I don't remember like how I like genuinely felt enough felt about it enough to like put a rating. But I, I do remember really enjoying it, um, and I, I that last heist of being that like extended like 35, 40 minute heist. Uh, I really enjoyed this. Um, I think this is a film I want to watch again because I I'm trying to remember it, but I don't remember much. I do remember that I enjoyed it. Um, so, I mean, 50 cents in it, so it has to be somewhat good. Uh, <laughs> I don't think that, I don't think anybody's ever said that. Maybe on no, an album not. in the early 2000s, but not a movie. 
Um, let me jog your memory. Okay. Uh, the first thing is Pablo Schreiber, um, who is Lee Schreiber's half brother, is like a six foot seven tatted up beast in this movie who is very convincing mm. as a lead role. And the other thing that you should know about is Gerard Butler just hamming it up, looking like he bathed in whiskey during filming because he looks just drunk off his. <laughs> Oh, out of his mind for most of the scenes and he like we get introduced to his character and he's eating a donut that is on the ground at a crime scene um that half the donut box is covered in blood but he picks up one with sprinkles not covered in blood and then makes a remark about how they have a drug test coming up soon and he doesn't know if he's going to be able to pass it's out. pretty it's this movie's corny as hell, but it's very entertaining. So I, I, I just like it. And I think that the build up to the last kind of big heist it, it is well earned. It's another one of those you don't know exactly what's going on and there's twists mm-hmm. and turns at the end. And there's a pretty good shootout, I would say, one of the better shootouts in a movie in recent years as well. Um, and they follow obviously kind of Heat's lead. Um, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, I'm talking about the 1995 Michael Mann movie Heat starring Robert De Niro and Al Pacino that is three hours long and is a heist movie that also has Val Kilmer in it and the best shootout in movie history. Book it, I'm, print it, put it on a paperback, sell copies. That movie's amazing. I'm still waiting to see that. The version. Yeah, I don't know how you haven't. This It's actually irritating. We've been it, friends oh. this long and you've neglected to watch Heat. It's It's well, disrespectful. Well, I don't know if I'm. Is it on? Can I? Can I watch it? I mean, I guess I could pay for it if I really pay care. for it. Yeah, that's pay fair. for the movie Heat. Oh, it's I on promise. Pluto TV. I paid seventeen oh. bucks a month for that. No, I'm kidding. Uh, I think Pluto yeah. TV is free. You just have to watch ads, so Heat would be four hours long. Uh, watch yeah. Heat. Everybody should watch Heat. <laughs> We're yeah, about I've been movies in the last five years, and I'm telling you to watch one made thirty years ago. But seriously, yeah. watch, watch Thanks. Heat. Do it. All right. That was Den of Thieves. And let's go now to our winner of this year because, yeah, yeah. come on, guys. There's no debate. It's Mission Impossible Fallout. Um, I actually just recently rewatched the last, the three latest Fallout movies before Top Gun Maverick just because I wanted to get in a Tom Cruise mood. Um, so I watched Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol and then Mission Impossible. Wow, I am blanking on the name of the fifth one. Fallout. What is the other one called? Oh is it Rogue? Uh, Rogue Nation. Rogue, Rogue Nation. Nation. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you very much. Um, and Fallout, I think, is the pinnacle of those. Uh, this is the movie with Henry Cavill in it as a mustached CIA agent that relates mm. his biceps. This is the movie where Tom Cruise learned to fly a helicopter and operate a camera at the same time. This is a Mm. movie that has some excellent motorcycle chase scenes. This Mm. is a movie that has an actual skydiving para jump that they Mm. filmed. Uh, It's got all the classic hallmarks of these latest run of Mission Impossible movies. And it does them, I think, the best of any of the the Mission Impossible movies. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I don't I don't really know what else to say. David, what do you want to say about Mission Impossible Fallout? Oh, this movie blew me away. I think even after I watched the behind the scenes and the filming um, of them getting the military cargo plane, they had to shoot it like at a certain point in the day and it took weeks and they all like learned like 
Tom Cruise like actually like jumped out of this cargo plane, right, and and parachuted down. I think I think Henry Cavill did as well. And uh, it took weeks of training and all of this, and it was like an incredible thing to watch. Like, I mean, that just it makes you appreciate the film so much more. I think I just it's Tom Cruise, and it just makes you appreciate him and his film so much more when he's like willing to put in all of that work uh, to to give us a, a proper and, a, and a, you know, a good movie to watch. So I just appreciate these movies so much more because I know he puts in honestly so much more work than a lot of act, other actors, but specifically with this movie. Yeah. I think, I think I agree that the stunts and the action, man, it's peaked with this movie with uh, mission impossible fallout. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, I specifically when Henry Cavill and Tom Cruise fight in that bathroom and Henry Cavill like pops his arms Bro. Yeah, the the reloading of the biceps is is absolutely iconic. Mm. This this movie is just Such set piece after after set piece after set piece. Uh, but it, it's so entertaining. Uh, this is a movie that I saw twice in one weekend, I believe. Mm. Um, I'm pretty sure I went and saw it with my family, and then there were some friends that wanted to go, and I was like, "Yeah, I'll do round two, sure." <laughs> I and guess I, I yeah. went back. Um, and. I loved every second of it. This was another great theater experience, uh, spectacle movie that I really enjoyed. And it's the winner because this is clearly the best action movie. Um, and, and when we go at the end and rank all of the movies, this that one's going to be a tough one for any other of the best to beat. So, yeah. all right. Let's go to 2019 now, the year of Avengers Endgame, but we're not going to talk about that because you all already know about Endgame and have seen it. We're going to talk about some other stuff. So 1917 came out this year, John Wick 3, Detective Pikachu, The Gentleman. <laughs> there was a Fast and Furious Hobbs and Shaw movie, which sucked. There is a actually decent, in my opinion, Michael Bay movie, Six Underground, which did not get nominated. There is a kind of fun... Ben Affleck, sort of heist movie, I guess you could say, Triple Frontier. Uh, Gemini Man is bad. I just recently saw the 2019 version of Hellboy. Boy, did that movie suck. Um, <laughs> we should mention, although I have not seen it, 21 Bridges, the uh, one of the last movies that Chadwick Boseman was in, uh, was released this year, Polar, which is kind of the Mads... Mickelson version of John Wick and there was Rambo Last Blood um, as Sylvester Stallone who was pushing 70 years decided <laughs> that maybe it was finally time to stop yeah. being the gritty action star yeah how is Possibly. he how is he still making movies I just don't know St- steroids would be my primary deal with the devil yeah well it could be that too right. <laughs> our four nominees uh, for this year are John Wick 3, 1917, The Gentleman, and Triple Frontier. Let's start with Triple Frontier, David. Tell me how you feel about this movie that stars Ben Affleck, Pedro Pascal, Oscar Isaac, Charlie Hunnam. Wow, that's a lot of that's a lot of that's a lot of dads, a lot of Jack dads yeah. in this film. How do you feel a about of, it? A lot of fathers. I thought it was pretty good. I think we watched this together. I think I was expecting. I think when you read off that cast, I'm like, oh. This should be a pretty, pretty high quality movie, and I think it was it was okay for me. Um, still, it wasn't bad by any means. Uh, and like going into the jungle in this like warehouse, like that was like a, a cool scene to to watch. Felt kind of felt like you were like one of the guys, like you know, mm-hmm. uh, get going through the forest, going into this 
house, but, um, you know, it wasn't crazy special to me, I think. And I think, I don't necessarily remember why not, you know, being insanely attracted to it, but I think I just felt similarities to a lot of other like and like action movies that we'd already seen. And uh, mm-hmm. so, yeah, it was I think, okay. I think for me, and this could easily be expectations and I'm probably going to revisit this movie again, but I was expecting more of a kind of old guys, one last job type action movie where it's heavy on the action. This movie is actually not very heavy on the action. It's, mm-hmm. it's heavy on the storylines and the trauma that runs deep within this group of people, which is kind of cool. And it also turns into essentially a survival movie at a certain point is, is they're essentially stranded in the jungle with millions of dollars and have to try to find their way out to safety after robbing a drug Lord. Um, and yeah, I, I think there's certain points where this movie certainly struggles for me and I was also probably expecting more and, and, and didn't get it but yeah. I still think that overall it, it, it was a promising film if if not one that I would probably enjoy more on rewatch mm-hmm. all right let's go on now to The Gentleman uh, the, the Gentleman is a movie that is in the same vein as a lot of others that are have come before it. Uh, it. It stars Matthew McConaughey, Charlie Hunnam again, um, and is a Guy Ritchie movie. And it is a lot like a lot of other Guy Ritchie movies in that it is heavy on the fast-paced dialogue, heavy on the narration, and heavy on the Britishness and crime. Um, and it's really entertaining. Uh, I, I enjoyed this movie a lot when I watched it. I don't think it would be near the top for Guy Ritchie for me. Um, I, I still am a big fan of Snatch and Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels, but this was this was a very entertaining film for me. David, how did you feel about The Gentleman? Uh, I actually really enjoyed it. I had no idea what to expect. Um, one of those, I, I happened to find it, kind of looked up the rating and was like, yeah, I mean, sure, I'll try it. Matt McConaughey, Colin Farrell, uh, Charlie Hunnam, and I genuinely had no idea what this movie was, and I actually ended up really liking it. Um, I think I think Matthew McConaughey's good in just about everything he does. And I like his way of acting. So that helped. But um, yeah, I think it was, I don't know. I think it was like different than what I'm, I was expecting, which I think I enjoyed it uh, for that reason. Um, and yeah, it's kind of one of those movies, like this kind of maybe spoils a little bit. You think, you know, what's happening. And at the end, there's kind of a twist almost of like, there's always been a plan and we didn't know it. And the, the antagonist didn't know it, you know, so I think it was cool to like be, see that unfold and be like, oh my gosh, wow, okay. Um, so yeah, this movie kind of had me on the edge of my seat at times, um, and uh, it had a satisfying ending for me. So yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I really did. I think if you've ever seen and enjoyed a Guy Ritchie film, which even Guy Ritchie also made the Sherlock Holmes movie starring Robert Downey Jr., then then you'll probably enjoy this one. Uh, it's got a lot of flourishes in it. Uh, quick cuts, which is kind of a staple of Guy Ritchie, and a lot of narration, but narration that's done in a funny way that I enjoy. Guy Ritchie's one of the only directors when he uses narration, I'm not groaning um, mm. because he uses it well. So yeah, I, I, I enjoyed this film a lot, and it's a solid contender for this year, for sure. All right, let's move on to 1917, another British movie, this time from Sam Mendes. It's about World War One. This is the famous movie that is, it's not one cut. It's actually two, really. 
but it's pretty much just like 45 minutes with no cut and then a cut and then the rest of the movie. Um, an anxiety fest, if you will, that was a singular experience in theaters and one that I really enjoyed. David, what are your favorite parts of 1917? Oh my goodness. All of it. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed this. I think specifically there's a, f- that, that leading up, let me restart. I'm thinking about multiple scenes. I think I'm thinking about when he like, is at the medical chant medical and he goes into um i just had it in my mind the ditches that they dig what are those technically mm-hmm. called trench. i can't remember what they're called trench they're called trench. and like that that's true uh that's one of like the impressive shots because you can tell like this camera's for like five ten minutes following him and he's walking and things are people are talking to him explosions are hitting still one cut as he's walking through this trench for miles and then that's when he like pops out of the trench and they run across the field. And um, that was just so fascinating to see because like just for, for him, for, for Sam Mindy's to shoot that all in one shot is just so impressive because the dialogue has to be right. The explosions have to be on time. People, you know, the, the extras on the side can't look at the camera or can't mess up their dialogue or can't get in the way, like just for everything to fall in place and to happen correctly it was just so impressive to see that and I think even that moment I'm like almost looking for mistakes because it's like wow he hasn't stopped the camera in like two minutes like am I going to see something that you know but you just Mm -hmm. cannot find a mistake in that specific scene and I think that blew me away of like wow every actor everybody hit it perfect for this 15 minute shot that just wasn't wasn't cut so yeah I think that's probably the top moment for me um the really wasn't a bad moment for me in this movie i think i really just enjoyed it just about all of it um Mm -hmm. a beautiful beautiful attempt at a a war movie and i think it was done differently than we've seen war movies do before this is this is in the i feel like dunkirk vein of war movies that just make you extremely anxious Mm -hmm. the entire Mm -hmm. time um this is a movie that was shot by roger deakins uh, and if you don't know who Roger Deakins is, look him up and then see that he's probably been the cinematographer for some of your favorite movies and is probably considered the best cinematographer of all time. And this is also a movie that, like we talked about with Dunkirk, relies on real effects. You know, they dug a mile of trenches for this film. They pretty much made a dome, essentially, and tried to recreate what the battlefields were like in World War One, And this is another passion project, which we also hinted at with Dunkirk, and that Sam Mendes based this movie off of stories from his grandfather who fought in World War One. Uh, and yeah, it's just really affecting. And it's a movie that has a trope. Then the trope is that, or not a trope, I guess you'd say, it has like a flourish. It has its flair, and its flair is the fact that mm-hmm. there is only one cut and that it's long, continuous shots. But that's that's not a hindrance at all. I think that's a benefit for this movie um, and helps it separate itself from all the other war films that have come previously. Uh, Dave and I actually got the chance to watch this in theaters together um, and it was just so cool. I, and we were white knuckling it the whole way through because it was, it was so intense. Yeah. Um, and I really enjoyed yeah, every this, moment of this film. Yeah, this movie won Oscar for Best Achievement in Cinematography, Best Achievement in Visual Effects, and Best Achievement in Sound Mixing, and it was nominated for 
uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven other categories, including Best Picture. Uh, so this right. movie this, definitely delivered. And this was the stacked Best Picture year in which it could have gone to four or five movies and I wouldn't have been upset. And this would have been one of them I would have considered probably fifth or sixth best of that year. So yeah, 1917, a really good film. And lastly, already hinted at it earlier, it's John Wick 3. It's everything from John Wick 2, but essentially bigger, badder, and in my opinion, better. So let's just get into that conversation now. Um, is this the best John Wick movie to you? You know, I'm trying to remember, honestly, all three of them. I, I, uh, I, when I had watched these, I had never seen any of them. And I watched them like back to back to back. It was kind of an exciting, it was a fun weekend watching all three of these together. Um, mm-hmm. But to be honest, Nathan, I'm trying to remember and trying not to mix them up. Now, I do remember, which this might just kind of move this movie ahead of every one of them else. I do remember John Wick in his black, all black suit with his black beard and his black hair riding a all black horse down the highway yes, uh, yep. and just manhandling people. And that was just so beautiful to see. That was so, they're like, what have we not done? Oh, he's not ridden a horse yet. Let's do that. And uh, man, it was, that was a very, very good part. And I do remember like the coloring in the, in the, the visuals in this movie just being so good. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, those two things I do remember and attracted me a lot to this film. So yeah, so the first one is just just to give a what separates them. The first one is he is getting revenge for the dead dog essentially, and that's almost the smaller scale one. Most of the shootouts happen in like nightclubs and stuff. There is a shootout in the daylight, and then a parking lot chase. Um, and the second one is the one where he has a marker called in from the a member of the council and he has to travel to Italy to assassinate that guy's sister. And then also there's a bunch of shootouts that kind of cross the world and that's where he gets marked. And then the third movie he is marked and is essentially being hunted by every single assassin on the planet. Um, And he escapes and goes to see Halle Berry, who is also an assassin who has German shepherds that absolutely murder people. And he has that fight on the horse and it all culminates in this battle at the hotel that's been featured in all three of the continental in the triangle building in New York um, with the high table essentially. And yeah, I would say this one is the best because it has just wall to wall, the most action and the most fun. I was just like laughing deliriously with how much I enjoyed mm-hmm. this movie. It's actually ridiculous. Like you said, John Wick kills people using a horse. John Wick kills people using dogs. <laughs> like John Wick breaks into, John Wick kills an NBA player in this movie with a book at the New York library. Like they, <laughs> there's just about nothing that. <laughs> in the movie that doesn't happen. Everything is a weapon. It's, it's just intense from beginning to end. And I really enjoy it. Um, so John Wick 3. David, this one is tough. Yeah, it is. It is. What can we eliminate? I think... I think we can eliminate the gentleman. I don't remember there being nearly as much action as it's three it's competing against. There's some, but but no, there isn't as much. I would also say that we can eliminate Triple Frontier because yeah. I don't think either one of us just liked that movie as much as the last no. one. No, and, and again, we had expectations of high action, and there really was a lot of it was like 
the first hour, I think, not even, not the first hour, they're trying to get the whole team back together and there's no action. You know, I think with the other two films here, kind of off the bat, we start and it's pretty intense. Mm. Okay. Um, 1917 or John Wick 3. I think this is actually the hardest decision we've had to make. I don't really have a favorite here. I think, hmm. Man, what really, I, I think what's keeping 1917 in the race for me is their ability to have these continual shots. Because that's mm-hmm. difficult. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But John Wick 3, he was riding a freaking horse and taking out people. Okay, so here, let's, let's, let's try to make a list of, of pros for both movies and then see which one outweighs the other. I think 1917 is a more beautiful movie. It's a better shot movie. Um, and it's got the one shots that you're talking about. I think John Wick is more of a pure action movie. It, it's got better, in my opinion, fight choreography. And it's got more wall-to-wall action set pieces. Uh, so it's more action-packed than 1917 is, in, in my opinion. However, 1917, I think, is the much more tense film throughout because in John Wick 3, you know John Wick is going to survive till the end of this movie. In 1917, you don't know what's going to happen with the main characters, quite honestly, mm-hmm. uh, throughout. And, and it looks bleak at best at many opportunities, many points of the film. So... I, did I even help, or did I just make this more difficult? Oh, this is tough. Here, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna cast my ballot in, in this election, and I will be casting it for John Wick three. Because I think John Wick fee John Wick fee ugh, John Wick three is the most deliriously good time I've had watching an action movie, and is just wall to wall spectacle of if I'm looking for an action movie to turn on. And I just want to watch something that's going to entertain the crap out of me, no matter how many times I've seen it. John Wick 3 will do that every time. Whereas 1917, even though it's not, it's not like an overlong movie or even an over serious movie, I would say it's not as rewatchable as John Wick 3. Yeah, I think I'd agree with your wall-to-wall statement and like purely action. I think John Wick 3 takes it. I, I do. I think be a better movie overall but john mm-hmm. with three again when he's just riding a black stallion down the highway with an m16 in his hand and it, it, that's just so <laughs> sick. i don't even think there's an m16 but okay maybe there is. Had, i don't remember i thought he had a gun i can't remember he does have yeah a gun, i think i don't know I, but yeah yes. i think i think i'm gonna have to vote john with three as well it's All good right. All right, the action is so well done and that's like they're that's just the point head of I think of those movies is like we need really well done action scenes. Everything is continually ratcheted up further and further and further, and it it never gets to the it gets to the point where it feels kind of campy, but they're in on the joke. They know that these action scenes are ridiculous, mm-hmm. you know. So it doesn't ever feel stupid like say a Fast and Furious movie does when they try these ridiculous action sequences. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. All right, let's go to 2020. I would say the bleakest year for action movies. Uh, the mm-hmm. ones with significantly less movies released than any of the other years. And also, the movies that are released are not that good. Let's just run through the list. Tenet, Sonic the Hedgehog counts. That's how thin this is. 
Love and Monsters, The Old Guard, The Hunt, Extraction, Underwater, Bad Boys for Life, News of the World, which is a Tom Hanks Western, Hashtag Alive, which is a Korean zombie movie. There is a Tom Hanks movie in which he is the captain of a sub. There is a Vin Diesel movie in which he is some sort of undead superhero thing. There is Spencer Confidential, which is a movie that features Post Malone in a villain role. <laughs> there is a movie called The Tax Collector, which features Shia LaBeouf in a bad role. <laughs> um, there's not a lot to love. We have three movies listed, although David hasn't seen one of them, The Old Guards. We really only have two nominees. So we're just going to have yeah. a head-to-head between Tenet and Extraction. I'll talk about The Old Guard a little bit. Another action movie on this list starring Charlize Theron, who is you know, kind of actually one of the most reliable action stars that we've had in the past decade. Um, a movie that I think has a really cool premise. It's actually based on a, I believe, comic book series about like undead warriors that have been fighting for civilization for long amounts of time, but eventually their clock always runs out. So one of the times that they actually get shot and killed, they will just end up dying. Um, but it's a really, a really cool idea. The part of this movie fails, um, the action scenes are actually pretty well choreographed. The part where this movie fails is the music, which you wouldn't think is super important, but the music does not match up with the tone of this film at all. It's like mm. weird pop R&B hits and serious moments, and it's not any music you would pair with an action movie ever. Um, and it just doesn't work. So that's why that movie falters a little bit, but it's still enjoyable. It's a movie on Netflix if anybody wants to check it out. All right, David, I'm going to clear the floor again. Another Christopher Nolan, Christopher Nolan movie. Sorry, talking too fast. Tell me about Tenet. Um, I can't tell you a whole lot about it because I still don't think I understand it. Um, <laughs> man, is always just blowing our small little minds. He, how he understands and develops these concepts, I'll never know. Uh, but again, I think something no one does is he does something that no one's done before. Uh, and he presents this really wonky, um, worlds in which, uh, dude, time is almost used as a weapon. Uh, and it, it's really, really just a wonky thing. Uh, J John David Washington, uh, does a good job in his role, Robert Patton. Uh, does a good job in his role. Elizabeth Debicki, uh, Kenneth Branagh. Um, and, and, and yeah, it's, it's a well-done movie. It's one, again, while uh, Hans Zimmer didn't um, compose this, it, it still has a very good score. Um, it isn't Hans Zimmer, but it's still a very good score. And, yeah, it's one of those, you know, I, I want to watch again because I want to understand it more. And I think one one reason this movie didn't honestly succeed as much as it would have, I think people just didn't get it, and so they didn't like it. I, I think, um, again, right, no one loves the practical effects and actually drove a seven Boeing 747 into a, a warehouse, uh, actually paid, bought a 747 and drove it into an airstrip like warehouse rather than just CGIing it. Uh, and, and again, I, similar for this, I just have respect when when like directors do stuff like that as well. Like he spends the money and he actually gives us a, a practical effect like that. Uh, so yeah, yeah. I, I think 
I wouldn't say this is top three, top four uh, of Nolan's um, movies, just because, uh, in my opinion, he's just had so many good ones. I still really enjoy this one, though. Yeah. So the the composing that you were talking about is done by Ludwig Göransson. Most people will recognize his name from. He did the score for Black Panther, and he also does the score for The Mandalorian as well. So one of the big up-and-comers in composition and film right now in TV. Um, so... You know, even though you didn't have Hans Zimmer, you were in good hands there. This is the movie, and I've said this many times. I've even said this on this podcast. This is the movie that people think that Inception is in terms of confusion. People think Inception is confusing, and it is not. This movie, however, is actually confusing. But I think where it it's strongest is, you know, that there's fight scenes in this that are played in reverse where they're catching bullets back into their guns. Mm. Like, it's just so cool visually at moments that... I'm just in awe of how Nolan was able to pull some of these things off. So I I enjoyed this film, albeit, yes, like you, I did not understand it. I (laughs) don't know how many watches it takes to understand it, um, but I probably won't ever get there (laughs) because it is a confusing movie, but I I think is an entertaining one. Yeah, Um, sure. Let's move to our next nominee. Uh, I've already actually hinted at this in our discussion over The Gray Man, and that is the movie Extraction, starring Chris Hemsworth, um, that was produced by the Russo brothers and directed by Sam Hargrave. Uh, Sam Hargrave is another stunt, former stuntman who turned to action directing. Um, and you can tell in the fight choreography, which this movie has almost no plot uh, at all. Um, it's pretty much just a guy who is working, who is trying to essentially get this kid from a Mumbai crime lord. He's hired to rescue a kidnapped child from a crime lord. Um, and he's, there's various shootouts in Dubai, or Dubai, Mumbai. But this is, it's another movie that relies, there's a, I think a 45 minute one, one shot in this movie, something like that. I don't know. This is just action-packed. It's an action-packed film. Yeah, um, it is. And a, and a decent one at that. I, I think it falters in any of the moments where there's not something blowing up on the screen, quite honestly, because the rest of the movie is not good. But Hemsworth, outside of the MCU, is a believable action star. I mean, if you looked at the man, all right, he's he knows yeah. what he's doing. So it, it's a good movie. Um and I don't really have that whole lot of other things to say about it. There's not a lot of deep stuff happening in this film, but there's a lot of fun moments and there's a lot of really cool moments where you go, Oh wow, that was awesome. So oh, there's that. You're you're gonna be disappointed. What? According to director Sam Hargrave, the eleven minute and twenty nine second continuous one take shot is made up of thirty six different stitched sequences. Yeah, that happens. Okay, no, it happens at like the 45-minute mark of the movie. It's not 45 minutes. That's what I was thinking of. I was saying, that'd um, be impressive if there was 45 minutes straight. Well, I mean, they do that in 1917. So uh, I, I, this movie is fun, and it is also a Netflix action movie, one of the better ones that they put out. I would argue that this movie, for me, is better than The Gray Man. I would be more likely to revisit Extraction than I would be to revisit The Gray Man, but that's just me. Um mm. But yeah, let's let's vote. Let's decide. Uh, Tenet. It's Tenet. Come on. Yeah, I think the fact that the whole backwards, just backwards and forwards, and uh, yeah, the visuals are just 
out and again no real plot to speak of there is a plot in tenant and it's confusing but there isn't one in extraction really so mm -hmm. we're gonna go with tenant and finally the last year on our list 2021 the year of our lord that also <laughs> was packed with superhero movies but had some other movies thrown in before you people ask no i have still not seen no time to die yet because i haven't seen specter um, I'm not in a rush, I feel like, but I will watch Spectre and then watch No Time to Die and finish up James Bond. Um, so that did not make the nominee list. That movie came out along with Matrix Resurrections, Godzilla vs. Kong, Nobody, The Last Duel, Army of the Dead. Uh, this was a big year for Zack Snyder, Army of the Dead, and his version of Justice League came out. There is Red Notice, Garbage, The <laughs> King's Man, garbage mortal Kombat, Bad. surprisingly not garbage and actually kind of fun honestly mm. for mortal Kombat. jungle cruise is a movie that it was made and exists and is on disney plus um the hitman's wife's bodyguard netflix movie kate that was not very good snake eyes which was one of the biggest bombs in box office history without remorse it is a tom clancy movie starring michael b jordan there is a Liam Neeson movie this year called Ice Road, which I'm assuming is taken, but with icy roads. Snow. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> there's that. That's just okay. the greatest take of all time that I've heard. What? Liam Neeson's movies are the all taken plot with just different terrain I mean, and different seasons. I mean, they really, they really are at, at this moment. Nonstop is taken on a plane. Commuter is taken on a train. The Gray is taken in Alaska with wolves. I'm assuming <laughs> uh, Icy Roads is taken with Icy Roads. Um, there was one that just okay. came out recently that was like, wasn't he a U.S. Marshal in one that just came out not that long ago? So it's taken, but Liam Neeson is a U.S. Marshal. I don't know. There's just, he makes Taken movies, so... Do with that what you will. Anyway, let's get to our yeah, come list. On. David, this time you have a movie on there that I have not seen. Why don't you talk about The Tomorrow War real quick before we jump into our other nominees? Um, this is honestly, uh, this is a movie that, again, similar to The Gray Man, I feel like it has been kind of like, was, was kind of hate, hated on quite, like, sorry, was, was hated on. I, and I really enjoyed it. I thought it was uh, a really interesting idea, really, really interesting idea. Uh, and I actually, I, I really enjoyed watching it. I, it didn't really fall apart for me. Um, it wasn't, you know, this this groundbreaking and incredible movie. But I, but I enjoyed it. I thought, um, which in an alien movie, that's something that you always want to be good and high quality is the aliens. And I thought they were. I thought they were believable, and I thought they were pretty. Uh, uh, terrifying at times um, so yeah this is a movie that delivered for me uh, and it didn't for most people um, but uh, I had a, a good time watching it and honestly I, I'd probably watch it again if I had the if I had the uh, opportunity to so yeah the tomorrow this war movie, uh, yeah. this movie is a victim I think of um, Chris Pratt fatigue if that makes sense uh, mm -hmm. I think people got to a point where they were tired of him and felt like he was in too much stuff and constantly popping up over and over and over again. And then there's also a sect of people that just don't like Chris Pratt at all. So I think that's why this movie got a lot of hate. It is a, if I'm remembering correctly, a Amazon original. Yeah. Um, 
So yeah, I, I haven't checked this out yet. Um, it didn't look that great to me, but if you enjoyed it, I'll, I'll probably give it a try. I mean, and again, the floor for these kinds of movies is normally not that low. Um, yeah. It may not be the best movie ever, but it's probably not going to be the worst one I've mm -hmm. ever seen. So that's a good reason to give it a try. Let's get yeah. into our nominees for this year. We have three, Nobody, Godzilla versus Kong, and The Last Duel. Let's talk about Nobody first, which I would say is John Wick with Bob Odenkirk, uh, <laughs> essentially. Um, but it's another one of those old retired guy who is quote unquote a nobody um, pretty much is, but this movie is like not even trying to be tongue in cheek about it. It's just upfront of like, this guy is looking for a fight, hoping that someone breaks into his house, essentially hoping that he gets to watch somebody, you know, be mean to a helpless passerby so he can unleash his violence. Um, and this movie has some pretty entertaining action sequences, um, but for some reason just fell short for me. David, how do you feel about Nobody? I, um, believe it or not, which just won't surprise anybody, a, uh, a dad suggested I watch this, and yeah. they said they really enjoyed it. Um, I, I enjoyed it too. I think some of the action scenes were like, oh, wow. Like, I don't I think I came in with high expectations, so when there were a couple pretty entertaining scenes, I was like, wow, that's okay. That was really good. I think I would agree though. Like it kind of fell apart as we got kind of, as we, as we went on, but um, Hey man, if you, again, you have no energy, no brain power, don't want to think about a movie, turn this on. And uh, you know, it can be on the as you're doing something or you can sit there and kind of aimlessly laugh and, and be entertained by a movie. So. Yeah. yeah. And in this movie, um, Bob Odenkirk is adopted brothers with a member of the Wu-Tang Clan, Riza, um, who is also a badass assassin. So I, that's always that's always a good pitch for a Come movie. On. That's always fun. So yeah, that that's nobody. Let's get <laughs> this next one is the most ridiculous movie on this list, and a movie where it did exactly what I was expecting, um, and that's why I enjoyed it. And that is Godzilla versus Kong. Big yeah. monkey fight big lizard. I, do we need to talk about this? I don't, they focus on the humans too much. You know, these movies yeah. always do this. They focus too much on the humans, but we do get multiple fights between Godzilla and Kong. Um, I was team Kong all the way, even though I knew he wasn't going to win because Godzilla is a nuclear fire breathing giant dragon essentially and kong is just a really big gorilla but i was rooting for him the whole time kong yeah. gets a special weapon in this movie he gets like a special ancient ancient axe to use in the fight against just godzilla hype <laughs> so hype it's like this movie like does a lot of science stuff about hollow earth um, but there's actually some pretty cool visuals that come from that you get to watch kong absolutely wreck godzilla on an aircraft yeah, 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 yeah. Here's here's um, all you need to here's all you need to hear about the movie. Yeah, Kong Euro steps multiple <laughs> aircraft carriers and just domes Godzilla on the top of the head, right hook. <laughs> Beautiful thing. Oh, it was it was oh my god, entertaining to watch at the, to say the least. This movie came out at the bleakest time in the pandemic. I feel like whenever like we felt like cases were starting to go back up again and we thought we were done and then we were back in it again. And 
a Godzilla versus Kong saved movies and saved cinema. And it was just a fun time. So yeah, we don't have to say it. Millie Bobby Brown's in this, if you care. And she listens to a weird conspiracy theory podcast. <laughs> uh, also the coach from Friday Night Lights. Um, so there you go. Come on. All right. Last one. Uh, uh, not a fun watch, admittedly. Um, but a good movie either way. It, and that is Ridley Scott's The Last Duel the movie that famously bombed at the box office in 2021 and caused Ridley Scott to go on a rant about kids nowadays not caring about movies. Um, that aside, which I think, shut up, um, Ridley, mm-hmm. go away. Don't talk about that. Uh, but this movie is a wild Matt Damon, Ben Affleck performance. Also has Adam Driver and Jodie Comer, who's, I think, sincerely great in this film. And I was kind of surprised she wasn't nominated for an Oscar. Um, but this it's a it's a movie essentially about a real story of a dispute between two knights um, over what happened to a woman. Um, and it was the last duel in recorded history, the last duel to the death. But there's also some epic battle sequences in this film as well. And, you know, Ridley Scott, our guy just loves big action and he does it well and he's doing yeah. it well in this movie. Yeah. Um, but I don't think the action is the best part of this movie. I think Jodie Comer is the best part of this movie. Um, but it's it's a harrowing movie. I mean, it's a, it's about a woman um, who is raped, essentially, and three different accounts of her rape. The one from uh, her husband, the one from her rapist, and the one from her. And it's pretty much kind of a Rashomon showing you three different versions of events with Jodie Comer's version being, quote unquote, the truth is what how they introduce it, which it is the truth of what actually happened, we think. Um, but yeah, it's 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 kind of a Me Too movie, honestly, which sounds weird to say uh, in a Ridley Scott movie about you know France and knights, but it is a Me Too movie, and I think some of that stuff gets a little not well handled, quite honestly, by the aging male director who may not have be as close to the pulse as he thinks with this. But there are parts of this movie that really succeed. Adam Driver is an absolute bastard in this film. So is yep. Ben Affleck. Uh, Matt Damon is also a absolute douche canoe as well. And Jodie Comer is really good. Really mm-hmm. good in this movie. David, yeah. anything else to add? I don't think I have much. Just to, like actors you just mentioned all individually did so well in this did what they were supposed to do like I, I like adam driver and i hated his guts in this movie and like i was getting upset with him i was like i had to like revisit that like that's what he's trying to like that's the point of his role you know and just understanding how well he did and, and yeah you're right this is not an easy watch uh not because the quality of the movie just the, the content of the movie uh it's tough to watch and um Honestly, I wasn't expecting this. I didn't know what to expect. It wasn't what I what I saw. Uh, but yeah, I enjoyed it. Um, yeah, it was it was a heavy movie. <laughs> it was a heavy movie for sure, but a good one. Mm-hmm. So let us let us pick. Let us decide. I'm gonna go out on a limb. I'm gonna do the same thing I've argued with before. Um, and I'm not going to pick the best movie here, which is, I think it's clearly The Last Duel is the best one. But I'm going to go Godzilla versus Kong. Come on. I was thinking the same thing. Let's go. Yeah. King Kong. Giant monsters fighting each other. Yeah. Let's go. 
King Kong like, hero stepping on. on aircraft carriers to right hook Godzilla is just too good to pass yeah, by. Absolutely, absolutely fantastic. And then at the end, this isn't even a spoiler because it's it's a Godzilla versus Kong movie. Can I spoil it? In the end, you get to watch Godzilla and Kong team up to fight Mecha Godzilla. What else do you need? What yeah. do you want out of a movie? Yeah. That is it. This it is, is cinema. Godzilla versus Kong. Book it. Winner of 2021. David, my laptop is telling me it is about to die. It's at 10%. But before that happens, really, really quickly, rank these movies in order of best to worst. What is? Let's do these five movies. Recap. John Wick 2 for 2017. Mission Impossible Fallout for 2018. John Wick 3 for 2019. Tenet for 2020. And 2021, Godzilla versus Kong. Rank these movies. Uh, action or overall quality? Action. Let's do in terms of action. Oh, my goodness. Okay, I'll start at the bottom. Um, I think, at, let's see, number five for me, it's, I think it's going to be Godzilla vs. Kong. Four, I'm going to say Tenet. Three, I'm going to say John Wick 2. Two, ha. Um... This is where it gets tough. Um, I think I think two is going to be John Wick 3, and I think one is Mission Impossible Fallout. I think purely just Tom Cruise doing his own freaking stunts and jumping out of planes is just blows my mind. Ain't no stuntman. Ain't no CGI. Tom Cruise himself is are, is in charge of these action scenes, and he's doing it. So that's for that for that effort and the extra work by him for me. And this is the movie where he broke his ankle doing a jump um, and delayed filming for like two months because he had a broken ankle. But Jumping across buildings, they, yeah. They, they kept the take in the film. So there you go, Tom Cruise. I think my list would be pretty similar. Godzilla vs. Kong would be five for me. Tenet would be four. John Wick 2 would be three. John Wick 3 would be two. And then Mission Impossible Fallout would be number one. Um, yeah, that's the best action movies of the last five years. There you go. Dang. Well, this has been episode 24 of What Do You Want to Watch? Book it, seal it, and send it because we've been talking about the gray man and then we just said our, we just unanimously agreed on our, you know, favorite action movie of the last five years, Mission Impossible Fallout. So if you haven't seen it, go watch it. And honestly, the next movies, next Mission Impossible movie is coming out soon, sooner than later. So. Dead Reckoning Part 1, and by soon, David means, I think, next April or May. So, <laughs> But compared compared to what it has been, it is sooner. So That is true. That is true. Come on. But, all right, this this has been it. I will actually not be next week next week's podcast, as I will be on my honeymoon. So, Nathan, you and you, your brother will be, will be tuning in, in, right? It will be an all-English pod, and it will be covering the National Basketball Association. So study up, ladies and gentlemen. Get on basketballreference.com and start looking things up because the English brothers are coming off the top rope. Mm, Come on. But hey, that's it. We will see you all later. Bye.